this is Mal Majoris. This is the third episode of Radio Soup. And, you know, I like to keep timely. I like to keep on what's going on in the world. And The Last Jedi premiered last night, or actually premieres today, but I saw a sneak preview last night, and so did my guest. It's Daniel M. Jones. He wrote a book about how to become the Force, Nine Lessons on How to Live as a Jettist Master. How are you today, Daniel? Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm okay. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> very busy this past week, I tell you. But I'm good. I'm good. I bet. I bet. So this book just came out just a couple weeks ago. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super fun because it came out on the, well, it came out, it was released in the US on the 7th of November and it was released in the UK on the 16th. So it's super brand new. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a whirlwind. So the movie just came out. So let's, well, first of all, and before we get to the book, what do you think? And this will tie into everything. What do you think that Luke said? And this is not a spoiler to anybody because I don't, I don't play like that since the movie just came out and I know a lot of my friends haven't seen it. What do you think that about when Luke said the end of the Jedi is near or is here? I think he's, he's a bit deluded because remember, he's, <laughs> he isn't, he's been in exile for a while. So personally, I think he was a bit deluded, but uh, you'll have to wait and see, I guess. And if nobody's seen the movie yet, that it is explained. So, But how does that relate to your book? Let's, let's delve in that way. That... It doesn't really relate, well, it frightened me a bit because I thought, you know, here I am, I've written this book on how to <laughs> live as a Jedi, and now, like, the Jedi are going to be cast out of the Star Wars franchise. I thought, damn it, but, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it, it's not, it's not like that at all. And um, I was pleasantly surprised when watching the movie yes. uh, that uh, I didn't, uh, I don't have nothing to worry about. So you have nine lessons. Can we expand on some of those? I know you said we'd probably be sure. here all day, but, uh, you well, know, I'll I think... What we'll do. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll try and, I'll try and get through um, a few of them just to kind of like, we're not going to go through the exact lessons, but I'm going to tell you kind of like w- what those lessons would consist of. Okay. So <clears throat> so the first lesson is the intelligence of a student. And uh, what that means is we, we talk about the, the intelligence of a student is not uh, the intelligence that is uh, given to you by a diploma or like a university degree or anything. It's actually the intelligence uh, to build intelligence. You have to use things like um, you know reading things to expand your mind, having the notion to think outside of the. You don't need anybody to give you a qualification to know that. So it's ways of because in the book we give like little hacks and tips to ways of expanding your mind so that you you are an outside of the box thinker, which will expand your intelligence and the intelligence of a student will increase. So that's what our lesson's about. We've got another lesson here on um, personal thought control. So oh. um, so like moving rocks, control. not moving rocks and stuff like like Ray or anything. Am no, I going to be able to move my Jeep? Not. Is that what you're saying? Like it's with my kind mind? Of like uh, <laughs> personal thought control is kind of like you have involuntary negative thought, mm-hmm. but you can have voluntary positive thought. So just like Qui-Gon Jinn is always like steady the mind or calm the mind, the Jedi is, and you know, it, it's having those, it's having that attention to your thought constantly, just like the Jedi do in the movies, is to make sure that it's always positive so that they're clear, focused, and ready for action. So it's, it's, it's a lot of little um, uh, daily routines that you can do to kind of focus your mind and get control of your personal thoughts. So it's very, that's a very cool chapter um, and a cool lesson. I, I like that because a lot of people get get bogged down by negative thoughts. I'm sorry, yeah. they don't realize that like one positive thought or one positive thing that somebody does to them or that you can do during the day can totally change your mindset. Absolutely, one of the one of the first ever teachings I did was to um, tell people no matter what you know go out and do something that will make somebody else happy and it's kind of like that lesson where you know you're walking through uh, an office or high school or, or wherever the street and you see somebody you say hey you look absolutely fantastic today that person's going to glow and feel absolutely amazing and that will resonate with you as well and then you'll radiate that you'll be like god i'm made up this and feels so dope it's going to be awesome and it's kind of like that is the experience of um an external stimuli through emotion or the force or whatever you would call it and, and that's a great it's a great lesson to do and uh, yeah just 
little things like that can can change your your entire life, you know. Um, and someone uh, else's. Yeah, and absolutely, because um, you know I seen this. Um, it was a great little piece. Uh, what, what the heck was it? Oh, it was on a there was a, a TV show called How I Met Your Mother, an American TV show, and in it, um, the the they talk, they these people have an argument about who loves who and stuff because one they're in a couple. Once the person hasn't said I love you, so. Uh, this other person said, well, I say I love you to anything. And so basically this guy walks past and they're in the Empire State Building and the floor is on the floor and he says, oh, I love you, man, and gives this guy a hug. And the guy says, oh, thank you so much. I was just about to go up there and jump, but you've made my life so much more uh, worth it now. And um, and it's just a great, that was a silly slapstick kind of joke they put in there, but it was a great example of how just a little positive action of love can actually change people's lives. And that was a fantastic little piece. Um, yeah, so, so we do cover, again, there's a whole chapter on matters of love, life, and death. Um, and it's a lot to do with the taboos that, like, you know, to, to really understand life, you have to understand death. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a relationship with death, then you your life is kind of only semi-complete, you know. So it's the encouragement to understand death and, and understand that relationship and what the dark side really is um, in terms of, you know, full life, life has ups and downs, black and white, you know, the balance of the force. Um and then another one is we have force theory. This is a huge part of the book. And force theory focuses on the theoretical part of, of studying the force. Like, what is the force? How can you use the force? What does it mean to be in communication with the force? And another way we, we teach things like cosmos ordering, which is where you, um, the Jedi do it all the time. It's the willingness to want to do something. Like, you know, I, I want the force to guide me and show me the way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like an order you put out to the universe. And that's exactly what we do with it. Um, we, we teach how to do that in a certain manner and how, how to get you know how to get through that and also all the way through each of these chapters but basically each chapter is a lesson but all the way through this we do recommend other reading again which is always reverting back to the first one which is the intelligence of the student always expand your knowledge base by reading and researching so it's, it's always a really fun book emotional control and anger management mm-hmm. um, because the jedi do this extensively in the movies uh, there's a lot on uh, emotional control and stuff because a lot of people act on impulse um, with their emotions and it causes all kinds of negative uh, actions so it's it's understanding what to do before right. <laughs> you know you, uh, kind of like do you remember in i think it's the um the revenge of the sith or or the clone or attack of the clones where um uh, anakin is running after a bad guy who has um he was sneaking into um into the, the princess's bedroom and uh he he goes after him, and there's Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and, um, and Anakin have this huge brawl in the street, and then the guy runs into, like, a nightclub thing, and then uh, Anakin tries to run into the nightclub, and Obi-Wan stops him and he says, look, Anakin, he went in there to hide, not to run. Why are you running in there? And it's that kind of mm-hmm. attitude to think, okay, think carefully before doing an action, because that action will have an equal or opposite reaction, right. and it will also have consequences. So, yeah, it's cool. Um uh, we do talk about martial arts. We do hit on that. Um, mm. Why martial arts is important because of the spiritual aspect to it. Do you um, do any martial arts? Um, I do. Well, actually, was, in the book, I talk about my my upbringing. My father is a martial artist. He, he's um, he's been a martial artist for about thirty five years. He invented his own style of karate, and he also has five black belts in um, wado um, karate. And he um, he's a very very uh, interesting guy actually um, so i grew up in that environment and did a lot of karate growing up and he also introduced me to tai chi um when i was quite young and uh, and then i kind of really didn't do much with it until i started getting really into it in my teens and then uh, in my early 20s i was really into tai chi and i love i love doing tai chi so tai chi is probably one of the ones i do most often and every now and then i'll do some more karate but um, but more yamashima which is his style of karate he created 
What kind is that? Like, what is it? So Yamashima is a, is a mixture of um, boxing, street fighting, um, traditional wado karate. Oh. So it's kind of like it's a practical self-defense um, karate. It's fascinating, actually. And it, I mean, he, did, he developed it about 30 years ago. It's still going today, which is taught in a few different clubs around uh, around Wales, where we live. So it was, um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's bizarre to see, you know. Uh, so we, t- we talk about counseling and stress management um, and this is a huge lesson and counseling is, is so important self-counseling is very very important counseling is something that aids the mind and when you when you aid the mind you, you fix problems that are lurking in the back it's kind of like mm-hmm. having imagine having like your brain is like a, or your mind is like a is an office full of like filing cabinets and you need to neatly uh, organize them and put them into place and if you don't it's chaos and you can't focus on things so we we we, we teach about counseling and, and management organization in your mind managing your thoughts and then once your thoughts are in, in a line and in, in control and in, in an organized manner you'll be able to focus more on things and it will also reduce your stress hmm. and um and, it, and all those other kind of weird stuff that comes with uh, an organized <laughs> thinking yes i don't know what you mean by unorganized thinking i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I, I always refer to my book because you know nobody's perfect, right. and uh, every, and I always revert to my book to, think, to see what I wrote because sometimes it's it's difficult to learn the the lessons that you teach. You know, it's very difficult to do that sometimes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I always refer to the book for that because yeah, I always find myself slipping. But you know, <laughs> damn it, going back on. Um, and the last two chap- uh, chapters, which are the last two lessons, we've got healthy living mm-hmm. and uh, material well-being. Um, and the healthy living one is super important. Um, so I've, I'm a chemist, like I have a degree in chemistry, and so one of the things that I'm really big on is, you know, how, how to, um, what goes in your body. So oh, important. yes. So I'm, like, I'm like a big kind of like food nut. So I'm a vegetarian, um, but I don't tell anybody that you have to be vegan or vegetarian. I'm just saying that like I'm a vegetarian by choice because I have a, a, a beautiful relationship with animals. I love, I love animals. Um, and uh, and I actually became a vegetarian by accident, but, but during the time I was a vegetarian, I learned about nutrition and, and different types of organic foods and and, and vegetables and fruits and minerals and, and I, I read about all this stuff and I learned it all and being a chemist I was like wow this stuff makes sense so I found it so valuable to people's lives that a lot of our um, a lot of the issues that are caused by like bad eating habits right. actually have a mental um, uh, capacity so it actually suppresses that makes you depressed you know it's happy and sad foods that you can eat mm-hmm. um, so it's getting your body into into a line and, and this is quite I suppose controversial, but one of the things I talk about is that the dark side and the evil that lurks in the universe pushes uh, toxic foods on people, especially in the United States. It's one of the biggest producers. Uh, that and China are the biggest producers of toxic foods, um, and it's it's getting rid of those toxins from your body. To like make sure your like body you're talking about, like fast foods and like kind of junk food kind of thing. It's not so much the fast foods. It's to, it's how the food, what foods are comprised of. So look, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with fast food if right. you have it in moderation, right? Everyone likes a hamburger every now and then. It's great. But what I'm trying to say is that if your hamburger was 100% organic grass-fed ground beef, and your potato chips, oh sorry, what you call French fries in America, mm-hmm. were actually um, made from a, an organic potato grown uh, with no pesticides, and you know maybe cooked in coconut oil. Right. You'd have a different experience. Uh, your body would process this food work very, very differently. So, because of that, your your mind gets blurred and and dragged down with this bad food. And 
And then when your mind and your body are getting dragged down, there's no hope for the soul. So it's, it's kind of like getting all of those in line and, and, and working effectively and efficiently to keep your mind focused and spiritually awaken the soul. And that's the, the whole idea of what I'm doing with, with this Jediism. Um, how can that be? How, I don't understand how that can be kind of controversial. Um, controversial in the fact that if we delved into the, um, you know, I said that th- those foods exist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would say those foods exist because they're cheap to make, they're very addictive, and they um, and they just taste great. Right. But the controversial side would be that that is not the reason you are being fed those foods. The reason you're being fed those foods is because you become lazy and able of critical thinking and mm-hmm. will go along with anything. You know, it's like that age-old thing. I don't drink alcohol. I don't take any recreational drugs. Um, I'm a strong campaigner for cannabis for medicine, medical use because cannabis is amazing. Um, but I don't take cannabis. I'm just saying, like, I would treat people with cannabis if right. they need it. But, but one of the things is that alcohol, and this is the example I set, Right. If you're you're a government and you want to control a populace, or you're a person you want to control somebody, who's going to be easier to take advantage of? The guy who is drinking water and is able of critical thinking and pointing your flaws, or the person who's completely wasted every weekend, who doesn't even know their own name, and then gets up and just goes to work and joins the rat race again. And it's kind of like the drunk guy is going to be the easiest one to manipulate, and it's the most uh, it's taking advantage of people's um, uh, ability to to want those types of things, and that's the controversial part of it. Yeah. But I won't go into that. You know, that's a whole new book. Right. <laughs> um, but and then the last lesson we have here is peaceful communication and interaction with diplomacy, and um, that is based on the fact that people um, people don't communicate well these uh, these days. They they they're too busy. They're too, they're, their lives are fast paced, and everything's just like you know every man's out for themselves. But mm-hmm. the idea is that you should help each other, and when you help each other, amazing things happen. And I remember an example of, like I was. Um, I was in. Uh, I was in work. I used to work for a uh, for a multimedia company. Did some programming and stuff like that. And uh, the guy next to me uh, was. He was a cool guy, but he was like, "Oh, you know, I'd love to have a massive TV, um, bigger than my next door neighbor's TV." And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Well, because I'd, I'd have a bigger TV than my neighbor." I said, "Yeah, but wouldn't you want your neighbor to have the same size TV as you?" And he went, "No." I was like, "What?" Like I couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't get this in my head. And, um, and being because like, I have a condition called Asperger syndrome, so mm-hmm. everything I take is at face value and. I, it took me a while to understand what this guy was talking about, and then I read into it. And I thought, wow, you know, people don't. And communication is a big issue for me when I'm face to face with people. Um, and, and this is just fascinating. So I, I wrote a whole piece of communication, and the other part was interaction with diplomacy. And, and what this means is that there's a way, there's a way that you can interact with people. And I learned this because I didn't know how to interact with people, so I had to learn this. And when I learned this, I realized that nobody was doing this. <laughs> standard of how you should talk to people like you know you greet them you say your name you tell them the problem or whatever it is you want to do then they should respond with their name uh, a solution or another issue and then you come to an agreement and that's, that's it that's how we move forward but right. people just say this is how it is and i'm going to do that it's like what like, <laughs> nothing gets solved this way because everybody's individual and nobody wants the same thing everybody will want something slightly different to the other person so you have to find a compromise in the middle and you have to work towards that so the interaction with diplomacy is a lesson in there uh, that teaches you a bit about how to talk to people in a in a really positive way to get the results that you and they both want, which is fascinating. That's definitely needed in this society. And what you're what you're talking about with wanting something bigger than your neighbor is what they call here in America keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> somebody. Yeah, somebody has. Oh, they have a car. I mean, I never thought about. You know, I have friends who have like 
55 inch TVs and someone came over to our house one time and we have whatever 32 you need a bigger TV over there I'm like am I gonna have like a movie theater here I don't need a bigger TV I can see just fine you know I was like to me when my, when my buddy said this and, and look I was like well what why don't we why don't we I would love to give my neighbor my TV you know if my group didn't have a TV I would give them my TV you know right that's the kind of dude I have because I'm like okay, I mean I'm not bothered about the size of every TV is I just want to make sure everybody has an equal chance at life you know and, right. and I think that something that's missing people don't kind of look out for each other these days that much I'm not saying that everybody doesn't I'm just saying that most people um, tend to kind of steer away from that helping somebody out because they're so scared of judgment or, or scared of something I don't know I don't know who knows who knows or, or, or they think uh, oh it's not fair that they have that and I have this it's like well life isn't always fair so you work with what you have to make it fair for you you know what I mean of course I mean it's just like yeah you, you, you don't look but, but the grass is always greener no matter mm-hmm. how you look at it I mean you could be the, like the wealthiest person in the world living in like a friggin mansion with everything you need and you'll still be like oh that person's so happy because they have this or whatever or they think this way you know there's always a there's always been an issue in your life that you will always think oh I wish I was like that person but you should never do that you should be thankful that you are your person so, exactly exactly and this and this book, I mean, it was funny when I was when I got the email. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be. I, I thought this book was something totally different. I thought it was more like a, not not science fiction, religious religiousy kind of thing. But it's it's. I think this book is will be good for anyone if they like Star Wars or not because it has a, good, a lot of good life lessons for people. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the idea was that you know this is born from Star Wars because I watched the I watched the movies growing up. Obviously, like mm-hmm. super fun, uh, the original trilogy, and I, I kind of thought like you know the Jedi are, are really super good, cool dudes who who are doing their best to peace keep in the uh, peace keep peace keep in the galaxy. And I thought, wow, this is super super dope. And, but not only that, but they were really. Um, they were self-aware and the, the self-exploration, they, they knew they knew who they were, the knowing of where they are in the universe, what they're supposed to be doing. They knew all those things, but they still had questions, you know, about life, love, and death, just like anybody else does, does. but they were a really good example of what to aspire to be. And that's why I set up the Church of Jedi's, because it's it's like, how can we get people to, to really be the best they can be? How can we get people stoked about being alive? And mm-hmm. how can we get people to urge themselves, to push themselves towards their dreams? And don't just sell for second best or, or security, because security doesn't exist. It's just a fictitious kind of um, illusion that you, you, you think this is secure. Uh, and I always say this, like, one of the things I say to people is, go out and do whatever it is you wanted to do in life because you're only alive for a short period of time. Look, we have billions of years of darkness and nothingness and then for a split second, bang, you appear and you're just mm-hmm. here, you're born into the world, it's amazing. And then, uh, then in, in quickly the blink of an eye, you disappear again back to nothingness. You don't want to just spend your whole time, you know, boringly doing something mundane. You want to get out there and just do everything that you, you imagine to do. And um, Alan, uh, Alan Watts, which is a, um, he's a famous Zen Buddhist and he, he, he's dead now, but he actually said a great line. He said, you know, why spend your life? He, he said, I'd rather have a, a short life filled with happiness than a long, a long life filled with misery. Because exactly. It's such a brilliant line. And, and I've seen this um, great example. I don't know if you've seen Jim Carrey do the speech in the school he did. Uh, he, there was these college graduates graduating from school. And Jim Carrey did a speech about attaining goals. And Jim Carrey t- said this line about his father, where his father was a comedian as well. But his father was a comedian on the side and he was kind of, um, working this this job as well part time in, in an office, and then the um, the opportunity came to take up the office full time, and then he wouldn't have any time for his comedy, but he was really good at it, and he was making some ground. So he said to his wife, "Look, you know, we've got we've got the kids now, and I feel like the you know the job with with most security is going to be the office job, 
And she said, yeah, but what about your dreams? She said, well, you know, money and security comes first, and I've got children, I've got to be respectful, I've got to be responsible for this. So he went to the office job. Six months later, he was, he, the, the office closed down and he was made redundant. So it was just a great example of he should have just gone after his dreams because nothing is ever secure. Exactly. Everything is as secure as you make it. You know, you just go out there and do it. So this is one of the things I preach in, in, the, in this book and one of the things I preach in all the conferences and the talks I do. I say, people, just do it. You know, like, what do you want to do with your life? And, and great, Alan Watts said something fantastic as well. He said, look, forget about money for a second, mm-hmm. right? Go out there and do the thing that you wish to enjoy. How would you want to spend your days? And you go, well, you know, maybe I want a horse ride. So you can become a horse trainer. Like, you know, you could train people to ride horses. That was a cool idea, right? right. So if you did something enough, so much time, you know, you, you become a master. Right? And when you're a master at something, somebody will pay you to do it because you'll be the best of your ability at it. So if you focus your energy on something that you know you're good at or you want to learn and become good at, the more you do it, the better you get at it, the best you'll become in your field and someone will pay you to do it. And that is 100% true. I, I, you know, it, it can't get any clearer, clearer than that. That's true. And now let me ask you, you have a, the Church of Jediism. How did that, do you have an actual building or is it more of like meetings? Or, I mean, how did that come about? Sure. Well, two questions. One, the first question, do we have a building? No, we don't have a building yet. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the second question was, how did it come about? And how it came about was, I had been a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge uh, like UFO conspiracy theorist kind of like researcher. Right. And then during this research, it leads you onto all kinds of paths like spirituality and religion and all this kind of stuff because it's all kind of connected and, and also geopolitics and all this kind of stuff. So along this path, I was like, wow, we're really in a messed up place. And I seen this whole Trump, um, you know, and mm-hmm. this Brexit kind of train crash hiding straight for us. And I thought, you know, this is going to happen. And this is back in the mid 2000s or early 2000s. I thought, God, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And I'd already, so I'd been studying all this stuff. I've been a huge Star Wars fan and I'd realized the potential of Jedi and what they stood for. So I thought, we need to become Jedi. You know, that's what, if we had an if the whole population was Jedi, it would be like, we'd be super stoked. We'd be there, you know, we're retaining goals, we're helping people, keeping peace. It's really awesome. So I decided that I would formulate the teachings of the Jedi, extrapolate them, expand on them, and teach them to people. And I did that, and I set up a website in 2007, you know, the Church of Jedi's website. And, yeah, it just grew from there excessively rapidly as well um, because one of the ways that I get people interested in the Jedi thing is that I have, um, like, lightsabers and capes and stuff and robes, and you and you, you use the symbolism that mm-hmm. is that sparks that kind of child in everybody uh, and that fantasy in everyone to, to really grab their attention. And then you say to them, yeah, but there's lessons to be learned from the Jedi here. They're not just people with lightsabers and robes. There's much there's a much deeper connection here. And that is something that I find um, it's so positive and it works so well. Now, has uh, George Lucas said anything about, or any, <laughs> do they have, have they said anything? Because I, I have no idea. So, um... Sure, well, I've never spoken with George Lucas directly. I've never spoken with, spoken with Lucas Phillips directly. That's a bummer. Uh, we... <laughs> Sorry. I said that's a bummer. That's too bad. It is. Um, I, I do have friends who are friends with George Lucas. Um, mm-hmm. I do have quite a lot of celebrity friends. And they're, they're friends with George Lucas. Um, and I've got some friends who are in Star Wars and who've been in Star Wars. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of like I've never made the connection directly to George. Uh, maybe one day we'll, we'll cross paths. It's not a priority of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that we have had legal uh, dealings with Disney. Um, oh. And we had to do this to clear some stuff from my book. So we, yeah, it was really cool. We had this lawyer guy and he set the whole thing up and it was great, you know. And, and Disney were kind of, they were very cool about it. 
Um, but hopefully I can assume me. So this is, this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering because sometimes I know that George Lucas has been very, uh, you know, he sees fan videos and he enjoys it. But now that the House of Mouse has bought Star Wars, they're a little different entity than, than George Lucas. So Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the... Um, yeah, Disney are kind of like quite harsh. I mean, mm-hmm. George Lucas is cool, but I know he's he's been kind of. I remember one, a few years back, maybe two thousand and ten um, or two thousand and nine. I was involved with a, a company called Wicked Lasers from China, and Wicked Lasers has made these um, really uh, high-powered lasers uh, that looked like lightsabers. They had like hilts like lightsabers, and they basically were just like you know the, the closest thing you get to a lightsaber. Super dangerous. I mean, you burn your retinas <laughs> off of them, or you burn your eyeballs off of them. Burn skin and everything. Cool. George, yeah, it was, it was super cool. I actually have a bunch of them here. And I'll tell you how I got that. Because um, the the company contacted me and said, look, you know, you're the guy, leader of the Church of Jedi, and um, uh, we need some help because, you know, Lucasfilm are on our ass and they're trying to sue us for using this thing. It's like a lightsaber. And so basically uh, I was like, how am I going to how am I gonna help these people? So I, I got my fan base, basically all the membership base online to say um, – you know, you can't do this, you know, it's not like a really lightsaber, just just to really help and put some pressure behind it, so you can't sue people, it's not very Jedi-like, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it worked. Yeah, and, uh, I like they, that. they won the case, and um, they made a cartoon with me in, which is <laughs> it's really weird. If you, like, Google, like, um, wicked laser Jediism, you'll find this weird cartoon where they put me in this cartoon, and I come down, I fly from the sky, and it helps save them from George Lucas. It's always really weird. But um, because of that, then they sent me a bunch of these lasers in the, in the mail, and they're like $300, $400 each. I was like, holy smokes. Wow. But, they, um, but they're super dangerous. They also sent me the goggles with them as well. But I'm a scientist. I'm a chemist. I've dealt with lasers uh, extensively. I'm, I'm way more um, capable of dealing with lasers, uh, handling them safely. So that was no, no issue. But um, I was really kind of like, oh, my goodness, they actually sold these things. Maybe it was a wrong decision to help these things. <laughs> <laughs> But it was cool. Um, yeah, no, that again was the only other connection I had to kind of a legal team. But other than that, it's been been all right. You know, it's been it's been easy peasy. Everyone's kind of just said, "Oh, you know, it's a good laugh," and they leave me to it. Oh, that's good because you know, like like I said, you worry about now that a major company they might not have as good of a look. You know, like oh yeah, Jedi Jediism as as much as George Lucas would because he, I mean, he gets it because it's his baby. Yeah. Whereas yeah, exactly. Disney, there's like you know our legal team and this team and you know all these other departments where you're just like oh my gosh <sighs> yeah i think like i don't know i think i i have like i said disney haven't kind of like really gone on us but i think maybe in time if my site keeps growing in popularity and mm-hmm. the book the book sells millions and they may be like hey this guy's stealing my idea and i don't know i'm not really stealing anything but i don't know it, it, it's interesting maybe maybe more to come but i don't know Okay, and so the last question I have: Star Wars Land, are you going to come to America and see it when it when it's open at Disney? Um, probably one hundred percent. I love that. I love America. I think it's a great place. People are fantastic. Uh, the food's great, and it just has a vibe in America. And I oh, love yeah. going there. So, I, and I've just been to. I don't know where you're located, but I. I uh, where where about are you? Uh, I'm in Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Okay, right. So I've never been to Michigan. I've got a lot of friends over there. Um, but I was last in the States in July uh, last year. I was in San Francisco. Okay. Um, and that was super, super fun. But um, but yeah, I will definitely be coming over there because I want to come over there for an excuse anyway. So I think that is going to be the perfect opportunity, perfect excuse. And hey, maybe I might be able to work something out with uh, with Disney to, I don't know, maybe I can do something with them. 
that would be nice. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Adam Bray. I don't know if you know him. He's written some Star Wars books. And uh, we were talking about Star Wars land, and he's like, yeah, if they could just, I would just live there, and I could be, like, their guy to talk about Star Wars. And I'm like, that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, just, just like, live in, like, one of those, like, ad-ats or something, and just, like, come down and just, like, talk about Star Wars. And I don't know. That that would kind of be, like, a dream thing. Like, they could build a church of Jedism, and, you know, or, or part of it in Star Wars land, and you could, like, you know, they could, they yeah. could, you, they and you could make money. Talking about right. how you could help you know, everybody. It may be something that it can happen. I was, I was, they do have this like Jedi Academy or something in in uh, Universal Studios, I think, where they train little kids with lightsabers and stuff like that. And I thought it would be really cool because of like the status we've got and my mm-hmm. kind of pseudo fame, you know, be it Z listing, but you know, we'll still think it's fame. Um, <laughs> it would be cool if like we could do some initiation and stuff because I've done some other stuff. That's how I've made celebrity friends because they all want to be initially initiated oh. into the church and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And so maybe. Yeah, maybe there's something in that, you know. Maybe I can do some stuff with them. But um, well, I think one of the biggest, <laughs> coolest things that could happen is I'd really like to be on like the Big Bang Theory because I, I think it'd just be perfect for their fans. If they oh became, yeah. Because they're not religious, because obviously they're super atheists because they're scientists. But if but Jediism is something that they would totally be into because it's that kind of culture. So I think maybe I'm gonna I don't know, I'll reach out to the uh, to, to the, the casting directors. I don't know. We'll, we'll sort something out. Yeah, you never know. I mean, your celebrity friends, you might want to have them. Uh... So who who is the biggest celebrity in your church, if I may ask? Um, okay, so there's two pretty huge movie stars. So one is uh, um, a guy called Thomas Ian Nicholas, who um, he's in the movie Walt Before Disney. Um, right. And, uh, or Walt Before Mickey, sorry. It's on right. Netflix. And he's also, he also is a main character in American Pie, those, the, the movie. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, so he plays a guy called Kevin Myers, and he goes up to Tara Reid, he's got a curly hair, quite a nice looking chap, quite small though, um, and uh, he's a hell of a nice guy, he's a really good friend of mine, I mean, like, we are like, really good buddies now, um, I pulled his ass out of a hole a couple of times, <laughs> so, like, he's just, he's such a nice guy, like, and um, yeah, we just hang out every time he's in the state, in the UK, or if we're in the States, we just hang out, and I played for his band once as well, because he, he I'm in a band, he's in a band, and he was playing a gig over here, and we were playing the same gig, and then he needed some band members that we played for his band it was super cool anyway um, and the other guy I could probably say is the biggest one is probably Warwick Davis okay he plays mm-hmm. McKinch in the original yeah um, and Warwick's a good friend of mine um, it was really funny that they woke up with a text message from Warwick and it kind of like hits you you know like man you know Warwick Davis is texting you know that's really <laughs> weird but that's you know that's kind of cool and I, and I love that stuff um, that so yeah cool. he's cool and then I've got another friend called um, uh, Kyle Newman and Kyle Newman directed a movie called Fanboys. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I haven't seen like, that movie. You know, no, it's, it's pretty big. Um, and he's, he's huge. You know, he's like a huge Hollywood director. But his wife is a woman called Jamie King. And she's she's an actor as well. She's and, the, she's uh, blonde? She's that tall? Yes, she yeah, is. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. her, yeah. She's actually in the Clone Wars series. I think she does one of the voices for some of the characters in the Clone Wars TV series, you know, the, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really weird as well, because I got, like, I got Kyle on Facebook, but he's really good friends with Taylor Swift, and she's a godmother of his kids. And So I'm just, like, on my Facebook, you know, just scrolling through, and I'm like, oh, Kyle's doing something crazy in his backyard, and, well, there's Taylor Swift, you know, and it's like, <laughs> there's Jessica Alba cooking up, you know, the, the, the dogs on the, on the grill, and it's like, holy smokes. So it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a weird experience having friends who are, who are like, celebrities. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. It's all part and parcel of being in the public and media, I think. And you're like, so if I come over for a barbecue, will you just invite Taylor and, and Jessica <laughs> to hang out? I'll make I'll I make know, the food. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm literally just here for the dogs. <laughs> but you know. but no, I, I think I'm like I'm so 
such a bizarrely introverted weirdo like that I would like and my social anxiety is crazy so I'd probably just hide in the corner and be like please can I come over but don't have any of your celebrity friends over because I'll cry <laughs> but, uh, but I think I think you know I, I worked in Hollywood for a while and, and I think celebrities like it when you treat them like normal people like you're not like oh my god it's Taylor Swift I'm just gonna like stare at you and drool or like you know you would probably talk to Taylor about music but then not be all like oh my god you're, you're you know track number five on your album was my favorite ever you know, I mean, people, yeah. people just want to be people, regardless of if they're famous or not. You don't want to be like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, exactly. Except, yeah, except yeah. when you become famous as an author, they'll be like, what? Yeah. That would be awesome. Maybe. It, it might happen. You know, my book might go like crazy, crazy big and everyone be like, oh, yeah, it's that Dan guy. You have to invite me over to your barbecues, Kyle. Well, don't, don't, I mean, don't you believe you have to put it out to the universe also? I mean, if you believe it, you have to bring that, send that energy, positive energy out and you'll get it back. You absolutely do. I actually have a vision board here right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that actually says that on it. So it's cool. The book is going to do very, very well. Yes. And especially this year. You should send it to, uh, I think you should send it to Daisy Ridley. Daisy? Yeah. So who, who's Daisy Ridley? Ray. Am I, am I not, okay. Come on. Am I not, is that, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, my God. Okay, this is, this is another thing. I have, I'm severely dyslexic. Oh, okay. Now, if I don't, I've only ever seen her name written down. So I just made that connection. Now. Okay. So um, yeah. So, so the girl who play, the girl who plays Ray. Yeah. Actually, how would I? I don't know how I'd send that. She got a PO box or. Um. I don't know. You'd probably have to find who her manager is and then send it. She is. Yeah. Well, she's from the UK. I think. Oh. She? I think so. Um. I think she. Yeah. She's. Yeah. Try, she's from don't Westminster. don't stalk her or anything and then say I did that because that would be wrong. I'm just. Yeah. Saying. I'm gonna totally blame you. I was on this podcast, right? And then, I was like, on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Mel's podcast? Oh, no, I don't think that would happen. But that would be cool if she knows my podcast. But It would be, be super awesome. cool. It would be super cool. So you said you had a website? Yeah, so the website um, is becometheforce.com. Same awesome. name as the book. Super cheesy, but it works. Um, super uh, easy, not super cheesy. Yeah, super easy. It ain't easy being <laughs> cheesy. But uh, we, have, uh, we have a bunch of stuff. Like There's a training portal that you can sign up for. And if you sign up for the training um, there's a bunch of like free courses and there's a bunch of ones that are like paid for, but mm-hmm. they're not very much. It's not much money, it's only a few dollars. But um, the the reason we do that is because the people who we've asked to, to train these courses are quite high up people in, um, in their fields, like they're doctors or mm-hmm. like they're quite famous, um, like Lloyd Arabach. I don't know if you're familiar with Lloyd. He does. He's like an American mentalist. Like a, he's like a real life Ghostbuster. He's super oh. famous. This guy. Um, but it's cool, you know, and he teaches PK actually. So if anyone really wants to move stuff with the power of their mind, he actually runs a course on our site called um, Developing Your Superpowers. And that's exactly what it's about. And it's, it's a fantastic course. I mean, the guy's amazing. So, wow. yeah, it's cool. It's cool. That is very cool. Well, look at this. We could talk all day about Star Wars and Jedi, but, you know, I don't know. What time is it in England right now? So it's uh, 39 minutes past 11 at night, and I've been doing interviews. <laughs> non-stop since Wednesday night. Wow. So, but at least that's, yeah. I mean, you've been doing interviews the whole time, so at least you're not like, you know, cricket, cricket, I don't, I don't have anything to do. So, no, no, I mean, that's a good well, thing. Yeah, I've been doing photo shoots with different magazines and stuff in between that, so, and that was, I think that's the worst one. I mean, I love doing <laughs> interviews. They are quite tiring, but um, I think the photo shoots, because you've got to hold a pose for about 16 million years, and you're like, oh, I need to breathe. And it's, it's just, it's Do you crazy. hold, is it for like magazine covers? Do you hold your book too? And yeah. it's just like, no, I don't hold the book. I'm oh, just okay. holding lightsabers and stuff like that. They talk about the book in it. It's kind of a weird. If you hold the book up, they kind of get weirded out by it because they're like, hey, you're not allowed to plug it kind of like, you know, formally. You have to do it kind of like under the radar. Like, you have to put a slip in the, the title of the book and we'll put a small picture next to it or something. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I tried to do it. I was on the. Um, 
Piers Morgan's TV show in the UK. He's he's got a TV show over here, and it's a huge one. It's Good Morning Britain, and I um, I was on that show with him, and uh, and I, and I have the book, and then the, the runners took my book away from me, and I was like, Jesus, like it was so annoying. They didn't mention the book. I was like, Dang it, you know, like what? I don't know, some isn't 19 that nineteen million people? Yeah, isn't that the point? Yeah, that was the point. That's why you had me on the show, but he just kind of just attacked me. You can find it on our, if you go to becomethefoss.com and go to our blog, there's actually a video of me on that show, the whole segment's on there. And then he used my lightsaber to try and beat up the weather guy. It's it oh. it a crazy segment. You have to see it. Not, see not it. the uh, wicked laser one where he tries to blind the weather guy. No, I was going to bring that with me, ironically, <laughs> and I didn't in the end. I'm glad I didn't, because I think somebody would have killed someone, you know? What happened to Joe the face. cameraman? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, we need yeah, a medic. Yeah, sorry, my fault. I put a magnifying glass <laughs> That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, it would be a lot of lawsuits. That would be a lot of lawsuits. So I guess we won't do that. We'll we use the fake. We'll use the fake lightsabers for now. You know. Yeah, I mean plastic lightsabers, LEDs. I think that's totally my jam right now. I don't actually use the Wicked Lasers laser that often. It's just sitting here in my office doing nothing, and I, I always get up like, "Oh, cool is this?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, but when the hell are we going to use this?" I'm like, "In." Eh. So, yeah, just don't forget, don't play with the cat with that, because you might blind the damn cat. I'm just saying. I know, I don't, I, I, that's true. I don't, I don't actually have a cat, but I do have a small dog, and he, uh, I don't think they can see the laser, actually. I think it's outside of his field of vision. I'm not sure, though. Oh, interesting. But, yeah, very interesting. Anyway, we're, we're, we're digressing. We are digressing. Becomethefourse.com is how we get it, Be- and you can order the book from there as well? Yeah, you can also go to Barnes & Noble. Um, you can go to, uh, in the UK, you can go to W.H. Smith and Waterstones. Uh, you can get the book directly from Penguin Random House's website as well, so that's kind of cool. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Daniel. I appreciate it. Uh, you're on the third episode of my new uh, podcast, um, Radio Soup. And awesome. thanks again for coming on. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.